Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our Week 6 postgame show as the Chicago Bears took care of business against the Carolina Panthers, winning their fifth game of the season by the final score of 23-16, to improving to 5-1 and on the year, 3-0 and on the road. I'm Eros Woodlewitt. Joined with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. Nick, final score is 23-16. to you kind of twisted my arm a bit and made me change my final score prediction, which I had 21 to 16. So I'm pretty proud about that. But as we kind of begin our first quarter with our just general thoughts of this game, as we kind of begin with our unscripted portion, Nick, how are you feeling, man? I mean, look, the Bears are a 5-1 and football team, which I did not expect to be saying at this point in the season, just given how they've been playing but that's the fact. That's what just happened in Carolina. They took care of business against a team that was playing some good football. So that feels good. But I'm sure we'll talk about this with the first quarter of our show being, or the second quarter being a offense, how it kind of almost ended there with Matt Nagy and decision-making. But overall, feeling good. It's a 5-1 and football team, and I think a lot of Bears fans are feeling that same kind of um, you know, feeling right now. It's deja vu. Uh, going for the dagger when you just don't have it in you to really, you know, put that in there to make it puncture. And yeah, like those play calling decisions, those time consuming, altering decisions, like I told you, it's like Matt Nasty, not Matt Nagy. And uh, those are some things that we need to discuss as we go through, but very reminiscent of what we saw. Um, oh, was it? Was it last game? Yeah, it was last game. So it's the Bears yet again, not able to really 
put the dagger in there. Luckily, the defense is here. DeAndre Houston Carson uh, iced the game yet again, so he's coming up clutch. But let's go ahead and move into our Miller Lite monster moment of the game. And, Nick, as we go through this, I want you to begin because I have about seven different portions that I can go, you know, one play one way or the other that may end up being my Miller Lite monster moment. I don't think you have quite the list as I do, so I'm going to let you go, and I'm going to defer. You know, I think just we'll start on the very first drive of the game for that Bears defense, getting the interception by Deshaun Gibson. I believe it's Bilal Nichols applying pressure, applying a really good stunt with Robert Quinn there. But what the Bears are doing afterwards after that is scoring the touchdown. So the monster moment being that interception for Deshaun Gibson really set the tone for this defense right from the very drive, first drive of the game for this Bears defense. And knowing that Teddy Bridgewater had been playing really good, I just thought seeing that, I'm like, okay, we could see a pretty good day out of this Bears unit. We really did on the defensive side of the ball. But I'm going to go with that to Sean Gibson interception. Put the Bears up perfectly score, which they did three plays later. And that's exactly what you want from your unit. So I'll go with that one. Well, when you're looking at a seven-point game and pretty much the Bears defense gifted the Bears seven points there and it took them a while to actually punch you know punch that in there uh that is a huge play and that was uh the cushion that the bears needed to come away with this win when i'm looking at the game and just how the flow went i'm gonna go with that Allen robinson catch on third down it was third and nine he ended up connecting for 23 yards here uh, plus the roughing the passer penalty which turned it into a 38 yard play the Bears they didn't get a touchdown they ended up getting a field goal but they needed something on that drive to extend it back to a two-score game because the one prior for Carolina they brought it into a one-score uh, contest and for the Bears they needed to find a way to answer and I don't think if you get that roughing call and heck I mean Robinson's open so I'm glad they hit that um, but the Bears, third and nine uh, for an offense that's had a lot of woes on third down to connect on that one, being such a big play to get themselves into scoring position and coming away with points afterward. By the way, they get to the red zone on that. Didn't get a single inch after the fact. Uh, we'll talk about that as we get through this show. But for me, getting in there, putting yourselves in this position to take a 10-point lead, a two-score lead yet again, uh, is a big one for me. So I'm going to make that my Miller Lite monster moment. And of course, here at the Chicago Audible, our goal through the years has always been to bring Bears fans together all across the globe. And that's more important now than ever. So whether whether you're just toasting this Chicago Bears victory with friends near or far, great taste is always close by with the original light beer, Miller Lite, who has already brought people together through Miller Time through the years as well. So wherever you find yourself enjoying Miller Time during a game, I wonder, is it your man cave, your living room, out in the garage, to me, uh, for me like today in my office, but it doesn't matter. However you're watching the game, it's always better with a Miller Lite, which is the only beer of the Chicago Bears. So here's to the 5-1 and one Bears. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller Time. No matter where you're watching the game, it's always Miller Time in Chicago. Pick up Miller Lite for your game day needs. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Nick, as we kind of continue through the first quarter of our show, do you have a stat that kind of stands out to you that was, uh, you know, uh, indicative of the kind of game that we saw today? Yeah, you know, I'm going to go pretty – oh, sorry here. Got it, got it muted there. Sorry, Will. I think what I looked at this game, we were talked about in the preview. If the Bears can't rush 
against one of the better running defenses in the NFL with Tampa Bay last week. And they can't have success against a Carolina defense that was number 29 in rushing defense according to DVOA, Football Outsiders Advanced uh, Statistic. Then they can't run the ball at all. They had 63 rushing yards on the day. Dan Montgomery, 19 carries, 58 yards. So it's one. It's not a you know a stat that you have to go diving deep. It's right in the box scores, right in front of you. But all day long, the Bears had no success. That offensive line lost the point of attack. Did not give David Montgomery opportunities. Later in the game, you kind of saw a little big, you know, bigger runs happen, but there was no success whatsoever. And you saw Matt Nagy had to go the extension of the run game with these short screens to the wide receivers. You saw Anthony Miller the last time we t- saw him really in a game. It was probably when he went backwards on the first down reception, but he had to use that as an extension to the run game because he had no success. And I think just looking at this offense, they put up 23 points here, even scored in the third quarter for the first time all season, but them not being able to establish any kind of running identity, win the point of attack, get David Montgomery moving forward as to having to maybe make people miss in the backfield, then gain a yard, it's concerning. And this was a bad, bad Panthers defense missing one of their key guys in short. So it, it wasn't a very good day, but the Bears still found a way offensively to, you know, still at least put up 23 points. But that's that's a statistic. 25 carries, a total for a team, 63 yards. All right. I mean, we'll talk about it. We have to talk about it because, like you said, uh, we entered this game not with high hopes they can run the ball, but just knowing with the uh, level of opponent that they were facing, if they had difficult time establishing a run, or even having impactful runs, which they had a couple near the end of the game, but still the overall output wasn't what was needed. Made the Bears a little bit more one-dimensional than they should have been this week, and definitely concerns there. I'll look at defense here. Just very proud of the guy's effort on third down, only allowing the Panthers to convert on three of 13 third downs. And on top of that, the bend and don't break mentality, one of three um, in the red zone for the Panthers. And the one came with the the PI on Jalen Johnson that I'll still disagree with. I thought he had a right for the football there. Uh, Marking it all the way down to the one gave the Panthers first and goal at the one. So the refs had to put uh, their hand in there in order to get Carolina to get a red zone touchdown, their only touchdown of the entire game. But uh, the bend but don't break mentality coming through yet again. And I'll take it one step further. Uh, Nick, have you ever seen as many fourth down attempts as we saw today? Because I had uh, four of them. Uh, You're only going to see three in the box score. I only see two, but I know there's at least three that should have counted. The fourth was off the board due to the 12 men on the field. But when you're playing the Bears defense, apparently you know you're not going to be able to move the sticks on three downs. So more times than not, you're going to have to try when that extra fourth down. And the Panthers did a good job of converting on them. I'm looking at a few of those more like just third down conversions just because that's what this Bears defense brings to the table. But it feels like every week I'm surprised by the amount of fourth downs teams are having to attempt on this Bears defense, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think when you see that, even if there are long drives, and the Bears did, the defense did have to go against some long drives, like you were saying there, Will, that means this offense is not picking up those chunk yards. They are having to really work, get to that fourth down, just to even you know have the chance of converting. And the Bears defense did a good job all day. We'll, obviously, we'll talk about them in full here, but yeah, really impressive to see what that unit was able to do against a red-hot, really, Teddy Bridgewater and Carolina offense. Mm, yeah, no doubt about that. All right, Nick, you ready to jump into the second quarter of our postgame show and talk about this Chicago Bears offense? Yeah, let's do it. 
All right, moving into the second quarter of the show. Nick, something I was, again, it wasn't pretty. Uh, There's some things that we need to consider and still talk about, which is funny because I ended the preview show saying the same thing where we'll find a way with a win, but we're going to have some gripes and some concerns when it's all said and done. And I think we're there. But starting on a positive, I thought the Bears were very efficient with the football today and scoring. Uh, Before they kind of went to milk the clock mode, I had them pegged down for scoring on five of seven of their offensive drives. Again, not a lot of touchdowns, but they're still at least finding a way to score. And when you have a Bears defense like you do, uh, at least if you can find a way to score on the majority of your drives, which they did, I think you're going to win more games than not. Uh, I noticed you were thinking the same lines at halftime, noting that the Bears scored on three-fourths of their first half drives. They came out and they scored on two halves, so two out of four of their next drives here in the second half of this game. But what was your take on the Bears' ability to score, at least on the majority of their drives throughout this game? Because obviously you want to see them punch it into the end zone more, but I thought overall they were moving the ball and finding a way with points and not being as, well, I'll say lame ducks as we've seen in the past. Yeah, no, I, I have to agree with you because at halftime, look, they do put up 13 points, and I think it should have been more. There, there was a drive where it was a third down play the target, Allen Robinson, clear pass interference by Rasul Douglas, who was shadowing him all game. So that drive ends at the Carolina 13-yard line. You, like I mentioned earlier, the play with Anthony Miller on third down, he has the first down where he catches it, but then tries to get more yards after the catch and ends up getting tackled short of the sticks, but... Prior to that, it was the Bears really being able to move the ball, get in position to score some points, get that they get the lead early in the game, and I think that really helped set up the defense later. But I think for the most part, there was a lot of good that you could take away from this. I just think execution-wise and not really having any any type of rushing attack didn't put the Bears in a you know a favorable situation. So it puts a lot more stress on Nick Foles, Matt Nagy, but you still. You still see some of those plays, Will. Like, when you see... Here, even before the one play we're all going to talk about, like, Demetrius Harris getting as much targets as that man is getting, Mm -hmm. that is frustrating to see. And then I think he's trying to talk smack, like, after one of them, like, yeah, I dropped that ball. Oh, wait, I'm not talking smack for me. Like, Demetrius Harris just needs to stop getting the the targets, and, and that's what ended up happening on the interception. After a fumble that Eddie Jackson gets his hand on the ball... You have it in, I believe it's in Carolina Territory, too. You're at the Carolina 22, so you don't even have a chance. Nick Foles backs up and throws to nobody but the inter- but the defense. And you just can't have plays like that. So that's what we want. We wanted to see Nick Foles have a, the game, like the staple game. Still looking for more after this 23-16 victory over the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, whenever you have a turnover, like the Bears did, again, the defense gave the Bears yet another, that was just outside the red zone, I think they're at the 21-yard line, but they pretty much gave the offense the ball in the red zone for the second time, and then the very first play to have a back-footed lob to three defenders, I mean, that's something you would see Rex Grossman do, I mean, heck, even at times Mitchell Trubisky do, and you wouldn't think you would see that out of Nick Foles, who's supposed to be that veteran a little bit more savvy, a little bit more just aware of the game situation. And when it's first down and 10 at your 21 after a turnover, the last thing you need to do is give it back to the other team. You need to protect that because at the very least, you threw away three points there. And again, I mean, that was enough today. Um, but still, throwing away three points there is not great. That entire third quarter was just terrible. You know, he had no points on the opening drive after a promising start on it. 
Uh, the touchdown, again, uh, after the four stumble, maybe he should have had a touchdown after that. And then also uh, the pick six, so uh, that Eddie Jackson on the other side. And I'm not, that's not offense-specific, but still, I think 17 points that the Bears found a way to squander uh, in a relatively short amount of time today. So that was frustrating for me. But, Nick, he had on the tight end usage. Okay, first half, you have Jimmy Graham rolling. He got Cole Komet going. He got his first career touchdown as well. And then you start the second half, and it's like, I feel like they're on the sidelines. And then you see number 86, Demetrius Harris. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Harris out there getting his three targets. I would like those have gone to, you know, Cole Komet. Uh, heck, throw it over to Jimmy Graham as well in those situations. I don't know why you get too cute and you feel like you have to bring in someone else to the fold, especially with Komet getting involved, having an active role in the first half. He disappeared in the second half. And again, I wish some of those plays went to Harris, but the utilization of that position kind of baffled me today just because you were getting some decent production from your top two. And then you got a little bit overly complicated, a little too cute going with that third option, two drops, uh, targeted on an interception. I know he's had some key pickups in this season as well, and it's a bad game, but it just wasn't working. And I felt like they were kind of forcing it. Yeah, and I think the the Bears had success. Nick Foles had success going to that Jimmy Graham play where he kind of just goes maybe five yards, turns around, shows his jersey, and it's a pickup of first down. And Jimmy Graham was actually, you know, being on the being a reminiscent or being a reason why the Bears are picking up first downs. And then you go to to Harris. It reminded me a lot of like Deion Sims esque, where you anytime Deion Sims was getting targeted or if he even played. Like, bad things happen. And that's what I was starting to get when Harris started getting the football. So, yeah, it was it was just a strange decision by Matt Nagy and that offense to kind of keep going to him for a little bit of the game. And especially when Cole Komet gets his first touchdown, which is a beautiful pass by Nick Foles. I'll give him credit for that. It's, there's a lot of defenders in the area, but Cole Komet uses his big six foot five body to just corral the football in, in the end zone there, which is great. But you just got to be smarter, like, don't do stupid things. Throwing the ball to Demetrius Harris. I was going to say Deion Sims. All the same <laughs> stupid. All the same stupid. But stop doing that and give the ball to your playmakers that actually make plays. Yeah, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. And then you have playmakers who don't make plays at least anymore, like an Anthony Miller. Like you said, uh, that one third down catch, he was right in the line. And then instead of just falling forward he tries to go backwards to break a tackle and then he ends up losing some yards there uh, who knows what that drive could have ended up with as well and you mentioned I like Jimmy Graham's ability to sit down in some of these coverages today and Foles does a good job they have a really good chemistry because you have a defender uh, with the inside leverage so you just kind of throw it out or if it's an outside defender you can throw it in and Graham kind of can feel that as well and the two just kind of know where that football's going um, and those are things that you don't usually see or didn't see with a Trubisky. Uh, that kind of just subtle nuance that helps some of these guys make some of these catches, even if there is a defender right there on their hip. But Nick Foles today, uh, he started off pretty hot, uh, ended up falling uh, off for a little bit, and then picked it up 
uh, when the Bears needed it to. And then when he went to, I'm going to call milk the clock mode, I think it's just poor play calling, uh, poor execution uh, as well. And it's unfortunate the Bears are very built to go fast and they can't find a eight-minute offense. Heck, can't even find like a three- to four-minute offense when they really needed to. When you look at Nick Foles' game just as a whole, Nick, what was your just overall assessment and how would you just uh, say he played today? It's it's hard to describe that in one word because, like, we, we mentioned the frustrating moments with Nick Foles, but there are times where he's actually operating the offense and getting the ball out to a Jimmy Graham quickly and being able to make those plays. Or even David Montgomery, where David Montgomery had a lot of success was over the middle just being a receiver in that aspect, and Nick Foles was able to give him the football. So it was just up and down for me, Will. I mean, I think at this point now, this is his third official start, fourth game that he's actually played. I, I don't know how I feel about that at this point because this is supposed to be a guy that knew the offense. And, look, he had the first two games to just watch the offense when Trubisky was starting. You see him come in. He he definitely knows it. But executing, whether it is the offensive line failing to do their responsibilities or receivers dropping the football or just him having errant throws, he's he's shown that he, that's been consistent in Nick Foles' game, which is that's the problem. Um, but I, it's just another up-and-down day against a defense that I didn't think was very good, especially in terms of the pass rush, even linebacker. Like, the entire unit, there's not one guy that you're like, okay, you got to watch out for. Maybe Burns, number 53, the pass rusher. But with all that factoring in, it still resulted in Nick Foles having an up-and-down day. Even, the, like, shorter gains when he started off hot, getting the ball to his playmakers. But... There's still a lot. There's a lot more points that were left out for this defense or for this offense. Sorry, and I thought that we would have saw a more efficient um, in terms of just capitalizing on what the defense was giving Nick Foles, but that wasn't the case. Yeah, I mean, we said in theory it should be an easier game, and we were looking more on the ground than through the air because Carolina, I think, they're like top ten in both yards allowed in terms of like limiting quarterbacks as well as pass rating allowed and. Heck, if you if he just didn't throw that one touchdown, you're probably looking at a pass rating over 100 today. Uh, again, he's finishing uh, with a 70.3, and that the interception counts, and it's 100% on him. But outside of that one mistake, I thought he was playing within the offense. Uh, and honestly, with the Bears' inability to establish a run, he needed to be uh, someone that can orchestrate some of these, uh, I'm going to say dink and dunk, for a lack of a better term, offensive strategy in order to kind of supplement your pass, uh, your lack of a run game, move the ball a little bit more, i say, unorthodox, even though it's completely orthodox for a Chicago offense, uh, getting it down the field. And were you surprised as I was that, you know, you're looking at Cordero Patterson, only two touches today, um, and his best play actually came as a receiver uh, on third down to pick up and move the sticks. Yeah, because especially because the Carolina defense was so bad at containing the edges there, I thought, hey, if you are going to use Monk or Cordell Patterson in any form, any any way, it's going to be maybe on first or second down, trying to get a big gain off the edge, and not on third down and two at late of the game, where I was telling my family too, watching the game, well, like if I see number eighty four in the backfield in the shotgun right next to Nick Foles on this crucial third down late in the game, I'm going to lose it. You know, lo and behold, Cordell Patterson's right there. The Bears have to punt afterwards. But, yeah, it is surprising with his speed, his ability to get to the edge. Matt Nagy didn't find a way to kind of utilize him more in this game plan, which I didn't think made much sense. And there's a bunch of other things that didn't make much sense from from Matt Nagy in this game. No, it really didn't. And that third down catch from Patterson, 
it was on my short list for monster moments. It wasn't a huge play, but it extended the drive. Uh, they get down, and this is the play. This is the drive that ends with the Nick Foles QB sneak uh, to give the Bears a, a bigger lead at the point. And again, the fact that they actually had to go to the quarterback sneak, they couldn't get it in there. Heck, I formation Nick wasn't even working today. You have JP Holtz as a lead blocker. You have multiple tight ends in there, and yet you can't find any push against a defense that entered this game 31st in the NFL, allowing 5.4 yards per carry. David Montgomery had 3.1 on average, 58 yards on 19 carries. I'm glad to see that they tried today. I'll say that. As much as we were – I mean, I'm still, we're still very down on it. And I said that if you can't give uh, Montgomery and Patterson combined 20 carries, you did yourself a disservice. Well, combine them. They had their 20 carries, so I guess Matt Nagy heard me. He's like, we'll get the, we'll get the 20, and then that's it. <laughs> and that's all we saw today, but – before we officially get to the rushing attack, is there anyone else that you wanted to mention, uh, at least as part of the you know the aerial attack today? I thought Darnell Mooney, I like that one catch he had to go up there and get it, uh, another one that he should have had that was dropped. Uh, again, high ball, but that's where the ball needed to be um, on that play. Anthony Miller is still giving you a lot uh, to uh, be desired, but where do you want to take it? Yeah, I think actually I wanted to bring up Anthony Miller. Like after... There was a couple of screen passes that he caught, and obviously the play that we've been referencing where on third down where he doesn't convert to chains. But it just seemed like as the game kind of went on, 17, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not noticing him on the field. But it sure felt like he wasn't even on the field, which is still, I think, a concern. Um, it has Bears be. love. Yeah, I know the Bears love Darnell Mooney, and they should. He's been showing that he can be a capable guy. But... Anthony Miller's supposed to be a guy that he's in the future plans, not not just for the right now. He's a future plan down the road. You you can look to lean on him. It doesn't seem like that's the case, and they're not, obviously not using Riley Ridley anyway either because he's not active. So seeing him kind of disappear from an offense that's still trying to find a way to score points, I think that's showing more just on what the coaching staff thinks of Anthony Miller as opposed to his talent because obviously he, he can play but there's maybe a trust factor, whatever it may be, it's not there. And that's concerning for me to see that continue to happen during games because we mentioned like a couple plays from Anthony Miller, but in every game maybe, but it just seems like at some point he does disappear. And you would think a guy like Nick Foles would give him the ball more effectively than Mitch did. Like there are plays where Mitch couldn't give him the ball and he's open, but this he's not even on the field, it feels like. So that's, that's definitely a concern. And what – Honestly, it irritated me about Anthony Miller today. It was a play that he wasn't really involved with. But you see Jimmy Graham uh, caught a short pass. He's trying to break tackles. He broke one. There's like five Panthers just on him. And usually, you know, your teammates rally to you, try to push you forward. Anthony Miller the whole time is kind of watching it out of the side of his eye, but just kind of also walking back to the huddle like the play's over when it's not. And those are things that I'm sure coaches don't like. Just as much as, you know, going backwards on third down when you catch it at the line and you go backwards, not helping your teammate and just kind of giving up on a play or just not even trying to actively participate in a play before the whistle's blown. Uh, when you're right by a teammate who has the ball, uh, that rubbed me the wrong way, and I'm sure that you know coaches seeing that too uh, do not like it one bit. But other than the disappearing act of Cole Komet from 
half one to half two, which, hey, at least he showed up for a half, and at least the Bears gave him some opportunities there in the first half. Uh, it was very standard, I would say, from what we've seen throughout the season. You know, Allen Robinson getting you know the bulk looks, David Montgomery being right there behind him, and then you have Darnell Mooney and Jimmy Graham kind of battling out there for the third spot. So it wasn't anything that we haven't seen so far this season. And I don't have too much more to say about it today. It wasn't like spectacular in any means. I mean, you're only looking at 5.1 yards per pass. Wasn't really pushing the ball down the field too much. You have three guys that did average at least 10 or more yards per catch in Komet and Mooney and and Allen Robinson. Of course, Robinson's came most of his yards on that big third down. That was going to be my monster moment, or I guess it was my monster moment. But anything else, or do we need to start ripping apart this offense for its inability to run the ball? Yeah, I guess we have to we have to get to it anyway. Well, might as well start now. So Rashad Coward, why is he out there? A uh, good question because there was a lot of pressure to whenever the Bears ran usually left side. There was most likely that play wasn't going to work. No. And good. And you can also factor in Leno in this as well. Like, I saw him consistently beat today. And, again, who are the Carolina Panthers, uh, you know, rushers at this point? Like, it doesn't even matter because they're winning that point of attack. They're winning that battle one-on-one. And, yeah, Coward getting the start over Alex Bars. And I thought it would be Bars getting, getting the start there just because, hey, he at least played last week when they needed him to when James Daniels went down. But... It's a concern, Will. Um, we talked about this offensive line not getting any push last week, the week before, really since week three, Atlanta, and Rashad Coward's not going to help. Am I He's s- not going to help. Am I seeing things, though? We talked about Alex Barr struggling last week when he was inserted. He came in cold, but he was going up against one of the best front sevens in the NFL, and then he kind of started to hold his own after a while. I don't know what they're seeing in practice that's not translating into games for Rashad Coward, but I would deplore the Bears to reconsider this thought and maybe try Alex Bars next week? What do you think? I, I mean, I anything is better than what we saw today. Yeah. There was just so much inconsistency, so much just pushback to where that pocket was just moving backwards every time. And it, whether it was a run or pass play, it doesn't matter. But you need to try something else because that clearly isn't working. No, it's not. Offensive line is a whole strong. I mean, I saw Coward on his rear end, on his back more than I saw him actually driving guys forward, uh, which obviously is you know non-ideal uh, for any offensive lineman. But Coward was struggling. They just weren't getting any push. They were manhandled up front throughout the majority of this game. And this was a front seven that was been pretty weak against the run all year long. Are we... Is this coaching? Is this execution? Is this Nagy not setting him up for success with poor play calling? A bad combination of everything? I just can't I can't put my finger on it other than just, you know, poor play all the way around. Yeah, it's, I think it's a tough one there, Will, because if you have like even if you have bad coaching, if you sometimes have the players, you can some you can sometimes get things done. But you have a backup left guard. Even Jermaine Effetti was a tackle now playing guard. Cody Whitehair hasn't played to the level that I would have liked him to do in the first two weeks. He hasn't been playing that same way. And obviously the tackles are getting beat. So I think a lot of it could be go to talent. But Juan Castillo wasn't in the building for the entire week. And I don't even know how. I don't know what the. It would be interesting to see how they even coached this game or if he was even a factor there. I don't even know how that worked. So there's disadvantages going into this game. 
But still, you have to find a way to run the ball effectively against Carolina of all teams. It's not going to get easier. That's probably one of your easiest tests, and you completely failed. So, I yeah, it's a, it's a bunch of things, Will. And I think when, when we had Johns on the show for a preview, I'm like, I'm not very confident in this group moving forward. Now I'm definitely not. Like, There's no confidence in this rushing attack for the rest of the season. Offensive line in general, I think my confidence is more than shot. And I, I bet you we're going to almost weekly – and until it gets super repetitive, just see how much we miss James Daniel. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TemperPedic.com. Out there, uh, and I, again, I missed him a lot today. I'm sure you did as well, Nick. And you know, someone may look at the box score and be like, "Hey, you know what? Though they didn't give up a sack, they did all right." But Foles is beating around back there a lot today. They got to him nine times, nine different quarterback hits for this Panthers defense. A testament for Foles to. Uh, stand in there, hang in the pocket, and make some of these throws uh, despite some of this pressure, despite getting beaten around and uh, not even taking a sack today when there are a few plays where you know he could have easily done so. And, again, he was beaten and battered. And I don't know, Nick, with some quarterback that has uh, an injury history like Nick Foles, I mean, that that's not sustainable for an entire season if the offensive line can't keep him clean and it wasn't like we're trying to even push the ball down the field too much so it's happening quick and that's uh that's as much as I'm concerned about the run game uh which David Montgomery is not helping things when he's out rushing or trying to outrun some of his blockers and sometimes being a little too patient or impatient and trying to do a you know a back cut when he hasn't even given the the front side much opportunity again there's a lot going on here everything's out of sync up front but the offensive line in general between the inability to get a push, to open up gaps, and then keep Nick Foles clean. I think out of when I'm looking at this entire Bears team, that's my biggest concern here after six games. Yeah, and it has to be because I think if that's going to continue the rest of the season, yes, the Bears have a 5-1 record, but you play the Packers twice, you Tennessee, the Rams. Like There are some teams that are looking that are looking pretty good. And if you can't keep up with them scoring-wise, as good as this Bears defense has been, but you have drives where you just can't push the – you're very one-dimensional. Teams will figure that out. Defenses will figure that out. Nick Foles will end up on the ground. And, hey, heck, he might be on the on the sidelines cause due to an injury. Because we've – it's happened. So you can't – look, I don't have an answer. I'm not going to say I have an answer for it because I definitely <laughs> don't. But they the Bears need to find a way and – you know that's why they're getting paid millions of dollars the coaching staff to figure this out but because it definitely needs to be addressed it does oh it nothing else to say there uh besides the fact that when you're looking at you know the offensive line the inability to establish to run uh, i mean it, nick when you're sitting there in third and four and you have to go empty set be in like because you know if you have david montgomery in there you're not going to be running that ball anyway and if you try it's going to easily be stopped so instead you opt to go empty on third and four i mean i mean it's with nick Foles, who's not i mean he did get a first down with his legs today but he's not a scrambling mobile type of quarterback against most defenses it's not going to work and it's uh, something to be concerned about uh, one thing though i would say the offense did well today uh is 
moving the sticks and moving the chains on third down. Seven of 14, which is 50%. And I don't know about you, Nick, but I take 50% on third down uh, almost each and every week for the most part. But uh, you're looking at Foles spreading it around, whether it's uh, Mooney, Robinson, Graham, Komet. I mean, he was moving that ball around on third down and just kind of keeping um, a defense guessing. Uh, what's your take about the Bears' um, effectiveness on third down? Again, for me, uh, with what we've seen out of this offense, I'm taking 50% when I can. Yeah, absolutely, because you knew you weren't going to get much from the run game if they decide to run on first down or whatever it may be. But that's where the the experience and just the knowledge of the offense comes in handy from Nick Foles, that he can go to multiple different guys on whatever down it may be and, you know, usually sometimes maybe to deliver a pass that's going to be on target to the guy so they can pick up the six so that's something that you do like about Nick Foles and that you know when you compare the quarterbacks with him and Trubisky it wasn't always like that it was always Allen Robinson always Allen Robinson to try and pick up these third downs but I think with the offense now you have options and actually I wanted to make up a point down right before halftime there's two minutes left in the game right and the Bears have an opportunity to go and drive and they end up getting that field goal that 50 what five yard field goal from mm-hmm. Cairo Santos which is great it reminded me a lot of week one remember when Matt Nagy wanted to kind of run that offense with Mitch Trubisky it ends up backfiring completely it's around two minutes left they're deep in their territory against the Lions Bears are forced to punt Lions end up getting a touchdown the next uh, when they get the off, uh, when they're on offense, but this time with Foles running the offense, able to effectively distribute the ball to his playmakers, they have some timeouts left, and they're able to get all the way down at least into an opportunity to get a field goal, and they hit it. Cairo Santos gives them that three extra points, but I immediately compared that first week with Mitch Trubisky operating the offense with two minutes left in the f- first half to Foles operating it, and he, he had success. He got three points out of it. So you love that about Nick Foles and just his ability to distribute the ball to multiple people. Yeah, and they really needed to move quick um, there before the half because they didn't have any timeouts. Which, by the way, Nick, why are you calling a timeout with two minutes and seven seconds left? If you're Matt Nagy, you only had one left in your back pocket because he had to burn him earlier in the half. You think seven seconds should not make or break uh, you at all, so go to the two-minute warning, then call your timeout after the fact if you need to. But that one confused me because they were going to throw the Panthers were, and if it's incomplete, you get to keep your timeout. So to go out there, I thought the Bears' offense on that drive did well, uh, giving it to David Montgomery, taking what the defense gave them to at least give them a shot for points. And thank you, Cairo Santos, for hitting a 55-yarder, career high, by the way, uh, for him. And I think they said it was the third longest kick in Chicago Bears' history so when we talk special teams we may need to talk about someone cementing himself uh, ahead of an Eddie Pinero uh, at least for now Uh, we'll get there when we need to anything else about this Bears offense I thought two of four in the red zone getting those two touchdowns awesome Um, but still the stalls inside the red zone when you know they were mattered uh, as well kind of frustrated me I thought there were some missed opportunity there for some additional points but that is the Bears' offense, always uh, wanting you to feel like there's left, there's points left on the table, and we see that each and every week. But is there anything else about this offense that we wanted to discuss today, Nick? 
You know what? I could talk about them burning a timeout before the play clock expires on the first drive and then getting penalized the next very next play for the play clock expiring. Oh, God, but I'll yeah. leave it at that. I'll leave it. But, I mean, like, those are some of the things that you're talking about with this Bears offense. They do some good. They do – they could do, you know, some things that are good. But it's like plays like that. Penalties on the first opportunity of the game after, you know, an interception and – yeah, I, you know what? To not try to end on such a negative note, we'll, we'll go to the other side of the ball and actually talk defense, which is way better. But, yeah, I just had to bring that up because that was frustrating right off the bat. It was frustrating, but, hey, you know what, Nick? They scored enough points to win today. They scored over 20 points. Defense helped them, which is tremendous. I mean, we have a defense that can help this offense, which is needed. And Imagine if we didn't. Uh, imagine where this team could be right now if we didn't. So I'm glad we get to turn the corner, talk about this Bears defense. But for this Bears offense to score 23, which I had them scoring 21. Didn't you also have them scoring like 21? You know what? I actually had them. It was a 20. I think it was like a 24 points I had them scored. So they almost reached what I wanted them to get. And so maybe I've just been far too negative on them. But it just it wasn't like an efficient and clean 23 points. Like there were so many ups and downs and. That's why I have this kind of, I guess, this tone when it comes to talking Bears offense. I understand it. I mean, you also have to just keep in mind, though, Nick, if you are going to score around that 24-point mark, it's never going to be clean. You're going to have those drives that things didn't go right. And I don't think the Bears had a – did they have a three and out today? Because, I mean, that's the one thing as well. I was going to say they didn't have one or they didn't at least – they had one – when they needed to the most, actually. So what I'm looking here <laughs> yeah. is right there towards the end of the game, around two minutes left, and that's when they go three and out. That's when they decide to really just fold up shop. But outside of that, uh, no three and outs. You had a one and out with the interception, though. So only two there plays with three or less yards or two drives with three or less plays. There we go. Those are words well in the correct order. So at least they're not into that trap of consistent three and outs back to back to back to back like we've seen in the past so as much as I think and Nick what really frustrates us at least I think so and we talk about it during our preview shows and in week but after a game I feel like I'm more in tune with it you just know there's more potential with this unit on offense and they're just not living up to it whether it's Matt Nagy not helping him out uh, with some time management situation or them just not executing correctly and just squandering away good chances like you do with an interception uh, right there after the Bears give you a gift at the 21-yard line. So I think what makes us so down is just knowing there's a lot of potential that hasn't even been tapped into yet, and we don't have a lot of faith as at least today that the Bears can or will actually be able to tap into this consistently uh, and if they could paired up with the defense which we're going to talk about now this team can be ultra dangerous but also you are five and one three and oh on the road i guess that's dangerous in its own right so let's go ahead nick jump into that third quarter of our post-game show let's talk about this bears defense which i told you did a heck of a job uh limiting the panthers on third down as well as in the red zone. Ben, but don't break. I said, Nick, that the Panthers were going to score 16. The Bears were only going to give up one touchdown and the remaining field goals. And I'm pretty dang certain that the Bears allowed 16, one touchdown, and the remaining were field goals. So I'm feeling really good about that. Can you pump me up for like a minute? Yeah, no, credit to you, Will, for just – look, the Bears have been good all season at bending and not breaking – 
and you hit it right in the nail with what the Bears defense was able to do today against and I'll say it again a Panthers offense that was playing some good football they really were Teddy Bridgewater was very efficient very effective in the previous three games that they had gone on a win streak for but going up against this Bears defense was a test for Bridgewater just a lot beginning I'll start with the beginning of the game where think like small shorter plays nothing big and that's what I think kind of led to this Panthers offense stalling when it was trying to consistently go with drives and having to settle for field goals as opposed to touchdowns. So you hit it right in the nail there, Will, and uh, credit to you for you know just doing your homework pr- prior to the game. Well, you also forced my hand a little bit with that score prediction, which I'm okay with. Uh, so gut reaction plus, I think, uh, the intuitive knowledge to make a, a very sound assessment on the fly is where I'm going to look at it. But, Nick, what I, where I want to start with this Bears defense – was their ability to really contain Teddy Bridgewater. He entered the game being sacked eight times the entire season and pressured at like the ninth lowest rate of the NFL. And his uh, passer rating was over 110 uh, on the season. He finished today with a 50.3 passer rating, and he was sacked four times in this one. So the Bears defense, which, by the way, Bridgewater all season has been getting that ball out quick, and we've seen it. The Bears made him hold on to that ball much longer than I think he's had to all season long, which led to some of these sacks. Uh, some of these are covered sacks. Some of these are pure you know, pass rushes coming in. And then the Bears secondary doing its part as well. I think that for Bridgewater, as hot as he's been and just consistent and just someone that hasn't been you know, throwing away games and been able to really orchestrate a, an offense there in Carolina, this was a game that I think he was really off his mark compared to what he's been able to do all season wouldn't you say absolutely I think the Bears like you said they did a good job coverage wise and even the pressure just kind of forcing Teddy Bridgewater to escape the pocket and become a runner and look Teddy Bridgewater has that capability a little bit but he's no Cam Newton the former obviously a quarterback there in Carolina they had to run eight times and in that first half I think I tweeted out like yes the Bears gave up maybe a field goal on a 13 or 14 play drive but Teddy Bridgewater has to run for a couple of those plays because he doesn't see anything downfield. The big play's not there. His receivers aren't open. So the defense is doing a good job of forcing Bridgewater to run. That's not something that he wants to do. He's being forced to do that by the Bears' defense, their coverage, and just being sound in, in their assignments. So that's what I really like seeing from this Bears' defense all day because, yes, the pass rush was able to get there at times. The coverage was there. But I think it worked in combination to put Bridgewater off his game and that's why you see the eight carries and he had 48 yards so he had a pretty you know efficient day but that wasn't equating the points and that's what really counts with Teddy Bridgewater and obviously this Carolina offense not putting up enough to to beat this Bears team today no it, you know how deflating that has to be for an offense your very first drive okay you had the interception you come back you get into a groove you march down the field it takes you 14 plays to get 72 yards down the field take about six and a half minutes off the clock and you have to settle for a field goal all right we got points we'll move on we'll do it again you force the bears to punt they get back out there after a field goals a couple they trade punts you go back out there you do it again 13 plays 73 yards over half those plays seven of those plays you took inside the red zone and yet you still can't find the way to punch it in they get all the way down i think they got down to like the three the, the two i think on that i let's see one two three four five different snaps inside of the six and they still have to settle for another field goal you know deflating that has to be nick for an offense 
to be out there as long as they've been, to be as productive in terms of gaining yards as they were and still having to just settle for field goals. I mean, I would be ripping as an offensive coordinator, you know, ripping my hair out, just knowing like we are right there and we can't find a way to put up some big points in with the bears, with that big lead already, that 10 point uh, uh, stretch there. Cause they were able to get that field goal. You're looking at uh, finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Seven to three, and then they get it uh, ten to three, and then Carolina could only make it a ten six game when Carolina could have had fourteen points on this defense. I mean that's frustrating, but that's also a testament to the Bears' ability to really step things up uh, once they get inside of that red zone. And again, the only touchdown that they gave up today was after a PI that gave them a first and goal at the one. And there's only so many times that you can get down there and not come away. It's almost more difficult not to get touchdowns when you're down there as often as they were today. But still, the Bears' defense, uh, by and large, Nick, a lot of you know yards were given up. I'm not even going to say a lot of yards, but yards were given up, and they were only able to really force Carolina into field goals all game long, which is kind of what I thought was coming in. But, again, uh, that's just a testament to this Bears' defense. Uh, anything else in terms of just like the big-picture general takeaways for the, the bend-don't-break Bears' defense? Yeah, I mean, they're just resilient. Look, after it was the fourth Panthers drive, and I think they called the penalty on Akeem Hicks for for a neutral zone infraction. It looked like Bilal Nichols and him both jumped. And yeah, really, did they go I over the they, line? Yeah, I don't did know. they go over the line? I don't think they did, honestly. But after that, still, that was at the Chicago six-yard line. Then it gets moved up to the three. First and goal for the Panthers. They hold them to a field goal, Will. So it's just a resi- very resilient group up front. And obviously throughout the entire defense to really limit the big plays and just the touchdown plays from this Panthers defense. So I really love that about this group. And I know we've been critical because we haven't seen them play, I think, to their potential. But that's something that they have been consistent with, keeping opposing teams out of the end zone. And they did it again today. And they do a really good job of that in the fourth quarter. Uh, Entering this game, they only allowed 16 points, surrendered 16 points in the fourth quarter all season. And when we had a 14-point lead entering the fourth quarter, I didn't tweet that out because I was feeling really good about that, and I didn't want to take a jinx on it. And again, right after that, you give up a really quick touchdown uh, due to that P.I. Was it P.I., Nick? I keep saying I don't know, and I don't think so. And there's a lot of calls that went against the Bears today that were so frustrating to watch yet again. And I know we don't like to gripe about officiating too much, although this seems like the season to do it. Uh, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't call it. I thought those were two guys battling for a football there, but what about you if you were going to be, uh, I'm going to say, unbiased? Yeah, objective looking here, I think I see why they called it. It looked like Jalen Johnson may have pinned his arm, but he turned around looking for the football and has every right to it. Right. But that hand is kind of like, who was that? Um, was that Robbie Anderson or DJ Moore? I forget which receiver it was that it was called on. I could see why. There are other calls on this defense uh, that were called against the Bears defense where I'm like, come on. And you don't even see replays for, like, the Kyle Fuller hit, uh, you know, getting there too early. That should have been a pick six for Eddie Jackson. 
I, did you see a replay, Will? I don't remember seeing one, if nope. if anything. And so that and the big hit by Fuller, I we didn't see, we saw it late later mm. where You're talking apparently about the pick, it was like the almost pick six. They did show replay because they're trying to say if it was tipped or not. They showed one that had both Hicks and Nichols in the shot, and I'm pretty certain it hit a finger of Bilal Nichols. And but then you don't really see it. But you can't really tell, and they show it one time. I, I'm going to look at it later tonight. And then they show another one more zoomed in with only Akeem Hicks. Like, oh, see, no, it wasn't touched. I'm like, that wasn't the guy that we were focusing on. It was number 98. Uh, so, yeah, a couple of those calls that could, you know, really kept this game much closer than it, it could have been. It could have been this Bears defense taking complete control. And, Nick, you and I, we were at that Bears-Panthers game in 2017 when Eddie Jackson had uh, two touchdowns uh, at the game. And it seemed like today he was, you know, with that forced fumble, which was squandered. And then that pick six right after the fact uh, that was taken away as well. It seemed like he was really trying to have a an almost, re- you know, replicate performance here just in that half alone. Yeah, it was it was fun to just see that, but you know, honestly, well, like how the season's gone for Eddie Jackson with like those big plays. As soon as I saw him going to the end zone, I'm like, all right, where's where's the yellow flag? Where is it at? Because I just for some reason that's what it's been like for Eddie Jackson. He's had these plays taken away from him, and they've been questionable all year. And this was another one, but yeah, I had a feeling that I was going to come back. Even not even seeing like the flag actually pop up on screen, I'm like, what? Where's the flag at? It's going to happen at some point. It sure was. Other than that, uh, I know we were very concerned about Mike Davis and the Panthers' ability to run this ball. Davis only had 2.9 yards per carry today, 18 carries, 52 yards. Bridgewater had 48 himself, which but it's real funny because entering our preview show, I had it hidden in my notes and I forgot to talk about it, was Bridgewater's ability to make plays with his feet uh, because the Bears haven't faced really many quarterbacks that can do that so far this season. And I was like, we needed to talk about that. We forgot. And I was like, yeah, okay. Hopefully it doesn't turn out to you know, bite me in my rear end. And it almost did. Uh, some of those carries, too, for Bridgewater uh, were very pivotal throughout this game. And uh, overall, though, to only allow the Panthers for 112 on the ground, and uh, I thought that was good. Uh, there were some plays, though, that still are a little bit too easy. Um, but I thought Roquan Smith did a really great job in coverage today against running backs and tight ends, which I told you – uh, in our preview show was one of my uh, bigger keys to the game was Roquan's ability to go sideline to sideline in this one. thought he did a great job there, finished with the team high, 12 tackles, uh, one for loss, and got a pass defense. Uh, but overall, when you're getting to the Panthers' rushing attack with 112, I'd take it, would you? Yeah, especially what they had done previously and what the Bears had given up previously. Yeah, you'll take what what happened here. A lot of, look those forty eight yards from Teddy Bridgewater. I think skew the hundred and twelve yards that the Panthers sure does. finished That's like with a third on the day, right? Exactly. So I think they did a good job. And Mike Davis was, looked like he was banged up throughout that entire throughout the game. Where and that's credit to the Bears just hitting him. There were some big hits in this game from this defense, Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson with the fumble and like things like that. So you want to see that. And uh, to Sean Gibson, I think on the goal line, I don't know if that was Mike Davis who he hit um, on the left sideline, but there were some big hits from his defense. And I don't think Mike Davis was comfortable back there. He kept the touchdown ball. If you saw it, and I don't know, like he slept like his touchdown celebration. Like, are you sleeping on me? Like, I don't know what the whole message was there. Maybe, but he didn't have the day than I thought he was, and I'm really you know glad that he didn't. Yeah, I mean, same. I mean, it was really worrisome. And something that Davis has done a great job of all season, and we talked about in the preview, 
uh, was getting yards after contact. And that really didn't seem like that was the case uh, really for the entire Carolina Panthers team. And on top of that, yards after the catch, I thought the secondary did a good job of limiting uh, the yak. There's a few different plays that are going to stand out, and that's going to happen. But for a Carolina team that's just been destroying defenses after the catch, after contact, this Bears defense did a good job of limiting them and those, some of those extra yards uh, after the fact today. And for Mike Davis to only have 2.9 yards per carry, for a Bears defense that's been allowing running backs to have over four or five yards per carry, those lead backs, uh, 2.9 is something that I can hang my hat on uh, after this postgame show and feel proud about uh, because it was something that was a big concern. And Bridgewater's six yards per carry does skew the overall average at the 3.9 that they had, but still, their lead back only 2.9 yards per carry. That's that's closer to what we expect out of this Bears defense uh, than we've seen so far uh, this season on the ground. And I thought Danny Trevathan, too, Nick, um, as a run defender, as a run stopper today, was doing some really good things. There's one play that he was like a step behind from getting a tackle for a loss, and they got like 10 yards out of it. But besides that one, I seen him closing in gaps quick in a hurry, and then really just putting in some really big hits, like you said, uh, right there near and around the line of scrimmage on Mike Davis today. And I thought he looked like, in terms of a run defender, the best I've seen him so far this season today. He had 10 tackles today. He was all over the field. And for Danny Trevathan, I know he had that one play that he gave up through the air um, as uh, a running back as well that outran him, got that good leverage, and just got a step behind. But outside of that, wouldn't you say to Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith, those inside linebackers, Looked more of the reminiscent of the 2018, or 2018, heck, even what we saw early out of them last season before both went down to injury. Yeah, I would definitely say so. And I wonder now, seeing that Dan Trevathan's put together a few couple of good games, mm-hmm. and decent games for, um, you know, just expe- especially since what we're expecting out of Trevathan, I wonder if the beginning of the season was, look, it's a, it's a strange football season. We saw some strange things. And Dan Trevathan playing as poor, poorly as he did the first two two to three weeks was weird to see. Now he's kind of felt, I feel like he's comfortable. He's doing what he knows best, and that's coming down, filling lanes. When I was talking about those big hits, you could credit him with one of them just coming down. I think, who was it, Vilma or whoever it was, commented on on the hit itself. You can hear it from where they were up in the booth. And look, that's that's a Danny Trevathan we know. And he's starting to play like that. And we know he's still going to be a little bit, a, a step slow in coverage. But when it comes to a run tackling and just filling the gaps coming downhill. Yeah, we're starting to see it from Trevathan. That's also exciting to see for this Bears defense. And then if you're looking at just this run defense in general, Khalil Mack was a big force against that as well. He had his two tackles for a loss today. Bilal Nichols is getting there. I thought the front seven uh, looked pretty uh, ferocious, I would say, uh, for a good point of this game. We even talked about you know a little bit for the pass rush, and Mario Edwards is someone that – and we haven't talked about a lot in this pod, but Nick, did you see him kind of revving up uh, the pass rush? And he had a few plays in a row where he was like pressure, pressure, then a sack. Uh, so that was like the the drive brought to you by Mario Edwards, which is always fun to have. But uh, overall, what's your take of the front seven's ability to not just stop the run, but you know, get after Bridgewater, uh, you know, the, the bigger guys up front? Yeah, absolutely. I liked what I saw from Edwards. I have a couple of, or his name mentioned in my notes a couple of times. Bilal Nichols was the beneficiary on some of the stunts that the Bears were able to run in this game. And I think there was a good play by Roy Robertson Harris, but it was nullified because of a 
too many men on the field penalty by the Bears defense. And there was a drive where the defense was flagged four times. But I saw some splash plays from the defensive linemen. Of course, Akeem Hicks is going to have a couple of those every single game. It doesn't matter what offensive line it is. He's going to find a way. And he definitely did in this one. There was a run that was going the opposite direction of Hicks. Of course, he does his thing, gets by his offensive lineman, just kind of swings him down and you know tackle for loss or right at the line of scrimmage. I forgot what it was, but... Yeah, the defensive line came to play, and that's always been a question mark for us, especially given how the run defenses looked the past couple of weeks. They played better, and they didn't add anybody new. Like that was a concern for us. Like they're not adding anybody new. So how is this run defense going to get better? Well, it did. They were coached better. They whatever it may be, they just executed better, and that's why you saw them have some success win the point of attack as opposed to the Bears offensive line. Defensive line for the Bears did that and that's why they had success really limiting the big plays making wood bridgewater kind of roll outside the pocket things of that nature so i liked what i saw from that unit now it just needs to continue yeah i thought you know uh, john jenkins came back too today and he had a couple of nice plays uh, up there for the bears too so i think them just getting more healthy and then having a deeper rotation that they can tap into uh, is something that's been uh, very helpful and Bilal nichols himself had a really strong game. And, Nick, I know you noticed a few of those stunts that they were throwing at Carolina early. I don't think that uh, the Panthers expected to see that right out of the gate. But with them being pinned up back against their own goal line uh, between it was Robert Quinn and Bilal Nichols, uh, you know, stunting and uh, swapping gaps and their gap integrity, uh, confusing the offensive lineman, uh, that had a pretty big impact right from the get-go. Yeah, and I loved seeing that from Chuck Pagano. We're like, where are we going to see something different from him? That, you didn't really see much of the stunts, or they weren't working as effective. But with Bilal Nichols and Robert Quinn, Quinn being on the edge, coming on the inside, and Nichols coming wrapping around the very first defensive drive that almost was a safety uh, for the Bears' defense, that's exactly what happened. So those two had some pretty good chemistry, were able to execute that when Pagano called in. And we wa- I want to see more of that. And I know that any guy that's getting the, the stunt with Mack they're usually going to benefit from it because there's so much attention he brings wherever he's going. So let's keep that up because I think that's something that this Bears defense can really utilize to its its advantage, and having the depth really does help, I think. Yeah, absolutely. No, the depth helps, and overall, I mean, when that front seven can get into a groove and play fast and play aggressive, everything behind it, I think we saw today, kind of – falls into place and that's why you're seeing 22 total tackles between your inside linebackers who've had some you know their ups and downs in the first portion of this season and uh the secondary too with their coverage uh as well as it was again we we can talk about uh, the bigger place here in just a moment but it seemed like all three levels of this defense were playing hand in hand today and uh, cohesive you talk about complementary football i think we can talk about complementary defense with the front seven helping the secondary the secondary helping the front seven and then each of those units helping the inside backers out uh throughout this game but uh when we're looking at the secondary uh they allowed uh nine catches for about 170 yards to dj moore robbie anderson uh, on 16 different targets, a few big plays. Uh, each of them had about a play that went for roughly 40 yards. I think Moore had one for 38. Anderson had one for 39. And there's a couple of those PI calls as well uh, thrown in there. Um, but you kept them out of the end zone. Uh, you kept them out of the end zone besides just the one time this game. 
What would you take from the day of uh, the secondary? I know Johnson had an up-and-down game. Uh, Kyle Fuller, despite the refs really not allowing him to play uh, football, uh, I thought he had himself a very good day game. Uh, there's two plays for Fuller real quickly uh, that were uh, perfect examples of what we talked about in our preview. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Show uh, Fuller's ability to you know, close in a hurry and limit yards after the contact. Uh, one was a quick five-yard route to Robbie Anderson in the second quarter of this game. As soon as the ball's in his hands, you see Fuller knock him back about 10, 12 yards after he rolls a couple of times. And then after that, too, there was a third down. Where the receiver caught it right at the sticks, like right there, and Fuller's there to make a big hit to keep that short of the line to gain. And I know the Panthers went hurry up. They got the fourth down after the fact, but you know it wasn't Fuller's fault uh, for the Bears' uh, inability to get off the field in that one. If anything, he gave them an extra chance to do so. And I just wanted to point that out because I know we talked about that as something he does well. And just seeing him, heck, even on that P.I. call, which should have been the Eddie Jackson uh, pick six, he's right there at the point of contact. I think you know the ball's close to getting there. And, heck, if he thought it was tipped and he just – made the hit. I think that's a really smart football play to do as well. Uh, so for Kyle Fuller, uh, just I love his aggressive mentality. Uh, the open field tackle on Teddy Bridgewater as well uh, comes to mind. And, you know, they pissed him off uh, with that flag on that hit. And afterwards, he was laying a few different hits. Uh, there's a receiver in the back of the end zone, had the ball in his hands, and he lays his shoulder into his gut. I mean, Fuller got a little PO today, and he was laying – uh, the wood out there and playing with it, some attitude, some aggression. And when you piss off Kyle Fuller, bad things happen for you. Good things happen for Chicago. And I think we saw some of that today. So out of everyone back there, and I thought the whole secondary as a unit played well, uh, just want to make sure I gave some uh, much needed love to Kyle Fuller because overall, all the way around from first quarter to the final, uh, that dude is balling. Yeah, and you know what? There's another play that um, we should mention here. It's the I think it's an RPO with Teddy Bridgewater. It's in the red zone. It's a one-on-one tackle with Bridgewater and Fuller. And look, it's a quarterback, but yet he's been making people miss and getting some yards with his feet all game. But Fuller's right there to make the tackle, and all the team, all the defense, kind of comes up to him, pats him on the head there. And you know what? I think Buster Screen deserves some love. There are a couple of plays where I'm like, man, Screen is being blocked. He's able to make the tackle in the backfield on on a receiver I'm like that's exactly what you want to see from a buster screen who I think caught a break because Curtis Samuel wasn't in this game but he Mm -hmm. had to step up and guard some other people in this in this one and on the I think it's the Robbie Anderson reception for it's it's a big play from him I think it was like 39 yards or something like that it's him with screen and coverage but he's literally right there that's just a fantastic throw and catch by Robbie Anderson but buster screen is right there to make the tackle um, you mentioned Jalen Johnson, and he did have an up-and-down day. Look, DJ Moore is not an easy rece- easy receiver to cover. Exactly. Neither is Robbie Anderson. So he's going to give up plays, but I know I noted in my in my notes here, like, hey, Rob, or Jalen Johnson gives up a play. The very next play is a slant to DJ Moore. He is right there to break it up. He has that mentality, and corners are going to get beat. And I know I, I tweet out, Jalen Johnson's having a rough game. 
literally the next play is that play that I just mentioned. So I like what he brings, though, the mentality that he plays with because you can – you could coach a you know a guy like that to maybe limit the mistakes, and he had not that there were even mistakes. There were good plays being made by by some of the receivers. You know the penalties you'll see, but I think Jalen Johnson he's gonna like this. This is the game where I shouldn't say he's gonna be a star because he didn't have the best game. But seeing the whole makeup through what five weeks or six weeks, whatever he he has everything that you want in a corner. Now once he starts making those you know those game changing starts forcing the turnovers. Then you're going to start to see Jalen Johnson just be that guy. But he, look, I think, what, on the interception? Yeah, I was so going to say, he had about? it. He had he, that play. Yeah, he's, exactly. So he's already starting to do some of these things, and he's going to see some good receivers. But Jalen Johnson can ball. And so I think if I saw people, like, ripping him in the chat or saying stuff, like, no. He's he's going to be a, he's one of the guys you look in the future to build around. And you have full on the opposite side. It's going to be hard to pass on this Bears defense. And, Credit to those two guys because they're already making it difficult. I was about to tell you, I was like, didn't he forget your monster moment already? Because, I mean, Johnson yeah, I had the PBU that led to that interception, which led to the Bears uh, taking an early 7-0 lead. So without, I mean, it all started right there with Johnson's coverage and his ability to get his hand on the ball. So he led that early charge for the Bears. So let's make sure we point that out too. And honestly, again, the PI call, let's ticky-tacky. We can, you can look at that either way. Um, outside of that, he got beat a couple of times, but you mentioned really good receivers. I think out of everything that uh, I watched out of Jalen Johnson today, the one thing that maybe rubbed me the the wrong way the most, and it's not even that egregious, was that crossing route to DJ Moore when he just got way too much depth going downfield, uh, backing up, and allowing for some easy yards after the catch instead of staying on his hip. And I know you're respecting his speed with DJ Moore a little bit, but uh, I think that he should trust himself a little bit more in those situations to make uh, to stick with him if he did break back upfield. And instead, he just did a crossing route, easy pitch and catch uh, for some good yards there. But that's the one thing, just trust yourself. And maybe the coaches told him if you see that back up. Um, but for me, uh, I think Jalen Johnson could be someone that he doesn't need to do that. He can play sticky. He can get down there and uh, with the best of them, like a DJ Moore today. But that's like the one. Uh, outside of that, I think the biggest catches did come against Buster Screen, whether it was DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson, because I think they know, like, hey, Fuller's a guy it's going to be hard to throw on. Johnson, I, they did pick on him a bit, but they needed to look somewhere else, and that's when you see Anderson in the slot, Moore in the slot, going up against a Buster Screen. And I like the announcers had no idea that the Bears keep their outside guys outside. Like, oh, now they're putting Buster Screen on DJ Moore. I'm like, yeah, he lined up. <laughs> in the slot that's just how we play defense Johnson stays outside screen takes the slot guy it's it's not rocket science out there you think they have a whole week to prepare for a game that you would know what the defensive strategy and scheme is but uh that's just me uh, I'm smiling on my face I saw Aaron Rodgers through a pick six and through another interception on the following drive uh and the Bucks have a 14 to z- uh, 10 lead against Green Bay right now so that puts a smile on my face Nick yeah, I, I saw that in the chat too. Look, so I pulled it up the Packers uh, Bucks game, but yeah, fourteen to ten, the Bucks are winning. And that's uh, music to my ears. So Eddie Jackson, he tried to have a repeat performance against Carolina. Uh, looking Jalen Johnson up and down, but the next play mentality still rings true. Kyle Fuller playing with a. I was going to say with a chip on his shoulder, but if you're Mike Priera, maybe it's a chip on your head because he doesn't know the difference between a head and shoulder. Yeah, I when he was explaining that, I'm like, what What are you seeing? Like, I know he's older. But Is he I reading mean, a teleprompter? On. Like, come on, man. 
I know it was that was not good, and I I was mad that the replays weren't coming in so we can officially see these things happen. But even when they did show it, it's like no, that's just a football play, and like they've been penalizing Kyle Fuller for playing football for this entire season so far, and I just don't get it. Yeah, it doesn't make. A lot of sense on top of that, too. I mean, Gibson, we barely talked about him, but he had the interception uh, early on, and he was uh, third on the team in total tackles with six, so he's around the football. He's someone that doesn't get a lot of attention, but he does all those little things well, and he just kind of blends in, which is not a bad thing at all. So I thought and for this unit that was going up against um, a very potent, very, you know, I would say scary passing attack with uh, Moore and Anderson, I thought they held their own very well today. Yeah, I think you could be, you know, happy with the performance by this Bears defense because they were causing turnovers, getting after Teddy Bridgewater. And, you know, when you we're talking about Tashawn Gibson describing him like sort of like an Adrian Amos, like something that they kind of just needed to compliment Eddie Jackson. And I think Bears fans would take that, you know, someone who's going to occasionally make a play like an interception. But I think Tashawn Gibson adds a little bit more value in that that area. But, yeah, you will take someone that's just fundamentally sound at their job, can compliment Eddie Jackson, and he's been doing that so far this season. Yeah, no, he really has. And, again, the Bears' ability to force some takeaways today uh, was – uh, was tremendous. I'm pretty certain looking at the, he had three interceptions all season entering this game. Bridgewater did, and the Bears came away with two in this contest alone. So, again, Bridgewater has been taking care of the football. He wasn't getting pressured a lot this season. The Bears found a way to get pressure, they found a way to get turnovers, and that's the recipe of the Chicago Bears defense that we've known now for a few seasons. And watching it all kind of unfold for uh, an entire game uh, is a lot of fun to watch, and I'm excited to see if they can continue to build on this as well. And again, only 3 of 13 on third down. The Bears were the second-best third-down defense entering the week. It's hard to They could end up being number one after the fact. And they played like a number one unit out there as well and continuing to only force teams into field goals. One of three in the red zone. Only one came with a first and goal at the one due to a P.I. call. Uh, that was another drive, too, that if you don't get that call, I don't think they get six. I think you force them into another field goal situation or you get them off the field because they had to try to go for it on fourth down it was like another slow burning drive where the Panthers needed a fight for every yard and that was just a huge gift uh, for them but any final thoughts about this Bears defense before we enter the final quarter of our show and talk about some special teams it's starting to play more and more like 2018's defense I think that should be exciting for Bears fans you see the pass rush the the coverage from the secondary the linebackers as well and then just the takeaways. So it's starting to trend in that direction. I got one final note. Um, Bilal Nichols, uh, there's one play he made. You'll never hear about it again unless you're listening to this podcast. So uh, pat yourself on the back. Um, but Mike Davis, he ran up the gut. It was a game of three. Um, the hole was open. It just opened up like a floodgate. Just, hey, we're going to get an easy 10. Like the ones that we've seen all year, Nick. Bilal Nichols gets his arm out and brings him down like Eddie Goldman usually does. So that was a very Goldman-esque play that we've been missing all year that have always kind of flown under the radar. And I put it in my notes. I almost forgot about it. And I'm glad I saw it because he needs credit for that because those are the plays that this Bears defense has been missing. Because instead, if you miss that tackle or you can't get your arm out there to get him, you're looking at a 10 yard minimum gain who knows how that changes that exact uh drive for the panthers but uh, that's one where i'm gonna go back and rewatch it and uh, make sure he gets that shout out because those are small plays that in the moment may not seem like a, a lot but those are plays that this bears defense 
all season have been missing and Bilal Nichols holding true and doing that uh, which was again very Eddie Goldman like uh, put a smile on my face so I want to make sure you see that one Nick because I don't think you know do you do you know I uh, it kind of sounds familiar but I expect to see I expect to see a tweet from it because I think that would be something that a lot of people would benefit from just knowing that hey this very like ex- exactly how you explained it well so maybe expect a tweet in who knows when I gotta eat some food after this. I'm sure you feel this. I'm starving. Uh, right? Starving right it's, now. Uh, today was a in the office game. Uh, watching it, uh, Colts were on the TV, TV. So I had to watch it otherwise. So I'm gonna say and had it here on my second screen. And usually when I'm in the living room, I get snacks and everything. But when you're at the desk, uh, not so much. Uh, so definitely feeling uh, the hunger pains that I think you say you have almost every game. You can't eat during a Bears game still. Yeah, I I can't eat like unless maybe there's like fruit snacks next to me. I might open those up. Um, I just not that I'm nervous or anything. It just I think with taking notes and trying to get everything set up, I just I guess I don't have time. But I just don't eat during Bears games. Only times when we go to a game, we'll eat. You know, have some have some beverages and things like that. But I never eat during games. Yeah, I, the one the one mistake that I'll never make again was that 2018 wild card game when I made. Buffalo wings. I was like, yeah, I'm going to eat these and watch the game and tweet and my notes. And I'm like, I can't take any notes. I can't tweet. I have hot sauce all over my fingers. It was like, why did I not think this thing through? And I'll, I'll never do that one again, although it is one of my favorite uh, game time uh, snacks and meals. But Nick, we can t- I can talk food all day. <laughs> I don't think neither of us want <laughs> yeah. to right now. So let's jump into the fourth quarter of our show. And let's talk about our quick hit on special teams. Uh, and again, it may not be ultra quick. Um, there's a few things I think we can talk about. Uh, one of my favorites would be Sherrick McManus's return today. Uh, he had a tackle on the very first opening kickoff. Uh, he also had a tackle on the last kickoff at the half. And then at the start of the third quarter um, on the Bears punt, he was able to down Carolina deep. So he had three big special teams plays. Uh, I think he tweaked his hammy, unfortunately, uh, and had to exit the game. Um, but it just shows how damn special he is on that third phase, doesn't it? It sure does, and I think that's why he's made it through, what, now four different Bears head coaches in the past, uh, I don't even know how many years now, but that's why Sherrick McManus is on the team. He continues to do things like that, just continues to make plays, but another special teamer, primarily a special teamer, is DeAndre Houston Carson, and coming into the game, sealing, getting that game-winning interception. Uh, I know if Brandon was here, he'd be losing it, or just, you know, just enjoy by DeAndre Houston Carson. He's had to come in in bits and spurts this season just last week against Tampa Bay. He's the guy who deflects the pass. So DeAndre Houston, when you need someone to finish the game on defense, I want to see 36 out there. Maybe. But for the past two weeks, it's been yes, or this week and last week. Yeah, and it's apparently the Panthers did not learn their lesson watching Tom Brady try to, you know, go after number 36. And what I love about it, and again, we're talking special teams, but we can sprinkle in defense again. I don't mind. Like, 1% of his snaps in his whole career is on defense. 1%. Like, he's a special teams guy. Yet, two, two weeks in a row, you're right. He goes out there when it matters the most. Teams like, oh, offense, like, yeah, that's the guy we got to go after, which I get it. I mean, I'm looking out there, too. I would go after the guy that doesn't ever, ever play on defense. And two weeks in a row, he has a great pass breakup on fourth down, uh, not third down, Tom. Uh, one last reminder for you. And then, of course, today with that interception, I mean, just huge. I mean, I think I put on Twitter, I called him Captain Ice, which I think is uh, (laughs) super fitting right now. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. 
Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. For uh, DHC later is another one I threw out there. Right? Dad joke's coming in clutch here at the end. But, Nick, uh, on top of that, uh, did you also notice how the Panthers did not want to kick to Cordero Patterson one bit? I mean, each and every one of their kickoffs uh, right through the back of the end zone, they said, uh, no, we will not test you today, sir. And they're smart for doing that, honestly, because Cordell Patterson has that ability. We all know it. But, yeah, I definitely noticed that every kick was way, way out. They weren't going to give Cordell Patterson any opportunity. So, yeah, I definitely noticed that. But I think the big thing on special teams is that Cairo Santos went 3-for-3 on his field goals today, including that 55-yarder that we talked about earlier. But I really do think now, well, with Eddie Pinheiro still battling that, that groin injury, whatever it may be, I think Eddie Pinero's out of a job as of right. I know that there's time for him to recover, but Cairo Santos, this game specifically, really cemented himself as a field goal kicker for foreseeable future. I, I, just don't, I don't know how that would work unless he has an atrocious game down the line. Then you bring in Pinero. But right now, it's Santos' job, and I think that's how it's going to be for the remainder of the season and unless he gets hurt or something. But it's Santos' job to to lose, if anything. And yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's his job now to lose. If he gets cold and it gets a real bad dry spell, then yeah, you you bring in fresh legs. I think they have two kickers now in the practice squad, right? Well, Eddie Pinero's on injury reserve still, and then they have uh, wasn't that like four bath? Isn't he on the practice squad? Did they sign him? I believe so. So you so got three you kickers in the building. Options. Yeah, you got options. You got kickers in the building, but maybe that's what they found out. Like, oh, it's not about bringing all the kickers in preseason like we need kickers in the building during the season to kind of keep the pressure on and that's when it starts working but no Santos he was my MVB you know uh, not that long ago and then here we are again I'm gonna do MVB soon debating I mean it may be worth it I mean 55 yards as a Bears fan we don't see a lot of those I mean we uh, I mean even with Robbie he wasn't like the strong leg kicker it's something that you don't see a lot of those 50 like 55 plus yard kicks i mean i can probably count the ones i've seen on one hand and i'm having amnesia on the spot right now and i can't name any but yeah nick uh with you it's hard to go away from him right now you can't pull him he hasn't done nothing wrong uh, he's missed what one kick uh i think it was two back-to-back weeks i'm, I'm fairly okay. certain Hey, the, the thing is, the fact that we're able to kind of just know, like, it's a very low number instead of, like, okay, how many did he make? Which has seemed like in the previous seasons has been uh, the bigger question for us is uh, a really, uh, I mean, a positive thing. I mean, for a position that we've been so uh, nervous about and just very unsettled all the way around, uh, seeing him uh, go out there, and I don't have to, like, hyperventilate every time he goes out there for a kick, uh, whether it's a big kick, whether it's a normal kick. Uh, feeling pretty good about that. And so, yeah, like you, Nick, you can't go away from him. Uh, you ride the hot foot while you can. We got one right now and uh, excited to see uh, what else we can do. And on top of that, uh, O'Donnell's been doing a good job with his limited punts that he's had to do getting teams deep. I know he had the one touchback, but he was able to help pin him deep on the previous. And I thought that, uh, you know, throughout this entire game, special teams was not 
a deciding factor and when it's not a negative deciding factor. Uh, definitely the kicks we made are uh, big factors in this uh, final outcome. Um, but when they're not hurting the team, uh, that's uh, that's good because we usually when they hurt the team, it feels like it trickles into the other uh, you know elements of the game, whether it be offense or defense. And today, Bears special teams were uh, call cool and collected. And uh, that's all we uh, that's all we need out of that unit. We don't need them to be ultra flashy. Although Patterson can take uh, anything to the house that he wants. And I guess my final thought would be, can we get Ted again Jr. out of punt return? Did you see him like when someone was coming to tackle him? Like he got like six yards, and then someone was coming down, barreling down. He literally stopped and kind of backed away, like please don't hit me. <laughs> like it literally looked like please don't hit me. I do not want to be hit right now. And that's that's not what you want. You want a guy with a little bit more oomph back there when he's returning kicks and or punts uh, I, I'm sure you can find any other option just anyone that wants the job is better than what we have now yeah I completely agree um he just doesn't look natural back there I know he used to do it he used to do it way back when he's been playing in the league forever I think 13 years or something like that but now this Ted Ginn Jr. who barely even plays on offense definitely doesn't want to play have anything to do with being the punt returner for the bears and i agree you just need to find someone who can at least create an impact or you know look like he wants to return punts because right now ted ginn jr i feel like i'm unsteady when i see him like he he dropped the ball today picks it up and is able to you know not get much afterwards but i just don't feel confident with him back there not that he's not going to catch it but it's just what's gonna what is he gonna do just follow the ground and like you were talking about earlier but they need to find somebody else to be the punt returner anyone with some just uh you know gonads to go forward <laughs> would be great uh, he really felt like the that third string second string quarterback from iowa in the in the movie uh you know uh the water boy oh. like oh god please don't hurt me like literally what it looked like like he went he stopped he put his arm out and he kind of moved his legs away like whatever you do. it wasn't even like a try to make you miss it was literally like a please don't hit me hard kind of move and i i didn't like that it was one again i try to uh be positive when i can around everything in this team but those are things as a as a football coach myself i'm like yeah i, don't, I wouldn't want that guy returning punts for me and you would think with 52 other men on this team you can find someone that wants this job uh, a little bit more than that all right, Nick, let's move on to our Colin Audible moment of the game. Uh, what's something you wish that you could have changed in this one? For me, it has to be the Nick Foles interception, right? Yeah, and I'm glad you took that one, but I, that's that's just a play after a turnover. To turn it over in the very next play, yeah, you can't it's unacceptable. That. No, yeah. you can't. So for, for mine, I just want to change that third and two play at the end of the game where the Bears decide to throw the ball. It's They're targeting Allen Robinson. Falls incomplete. They have to punt the ball. Give, give the Panthers another shot deep at the end of the game. But that the whole entire play, how it started, one, David Montgomery's not out there. And they had run the ball previous two times with David Montgomery. Plus seven on the first run, plus two, uh, plus one on the next one. And then you're at a third and two. David Montgomery's not in the game. You already know if it is with Cordell Patterson, the shotgun right next to Nick Foles, it's like, even if they were to have hand the ball off, which I would have liked that better, still it's Cordell Patterson and not David Montgomery. So just that whole entire play design and the fact that they, Matt Nagy decided to throw it to Allen Robinson, who really outside the one big catch did not have a good game against Rasul Douglas, who was shadowing him for most of the game. I just didn't get it. It, it made me legit angry when I was watching it. And yeah. afterwards, like even for coming 
before going live, Will, and like that ticked me off. That rubbed me the wrong way. The Bears won. They're 5-1. I get that. I'm excited for that. But that sequence, that third down decision play rubbed me the wrong way. So go back, uh, call an audible here. Put Dave Montgomery as your running back. Even though the Bears had not gotten anything on the ground all game, give him a chance. Give the guy who breaks more tackles often than not a chance to break a few tackles to get two yards keep that clock going and maybe you don't even have to get a Deion or a DeAndre Houston Carson interception to win the game you could just run out the clock but that rubbed me the wrong way that's where I'd call an audible either you run out the clock or you force them into one more timeout because when you give them the ball back with about two minutes a minute and a half with a timeout I mean to an NFL offense that's an entire possession uh in today's nfl at least and again that drive was three plays eight yards 23 seconds taken off when the bears had a seven point lead the defense turned the ball over on downs and they had to go out there and uh, just ice it and uh, luckily captain ice is on defense and that's deandre houston carson um, but nick do you want to let people know speaking of calling an audible do you want to let people know how they can uh, help support the show by uh, starting themselves a free trial with amazon's audible yeah, absolutely. As you guys know, I love Audible. It's service, uh, everything that it has to offer from exclusive Audible originals to A-list comedies. And what I'm going to look into, Will, because I have a credit for an audio book or whatever I want to use it on, some tips and tricks and coaching for, for puppies right now. So Dog Brady loves to bark at squirrels, so going to download an audio book that kind of details how to get that out of him. So that's what I'm going to use it for, but any any one of you who were to use the Audible free trial can get an audio book that, again, they have so thousands and thousands of titles, so it would benefit you, and you can listen to that on your way to the grocery store, as you're grocery shopping, on the way to the gym, whatever you theme best, You Audible gives you at least that opportunity to do so. So you can try Audible out for yourself with the 30-day free trial, and that includes a free audiobook. And if you're an Amazon Prime member, you get an additional audiobook of your choice. And all you have to do is head to chicagoaudible.com slash Amazon, and you get a 30-day free trial. And again, that's chicagoaudible.com slash Amazon. And everyone is a Prime member nowadays, and uh, get that extra free uh, book if you can, which I know definitely you could, because uh, again, who's not uh, nowadays? And if you're not, maybe look into that as well, but I'm not, doesn't help us. So Amazon trial all the way for you for the Audible. Um, but Nick, we have w- two more things we need to do. We have to hand out our MVBs and we needed to close the show with our two minute warning. So when you're looking at everything, wrapping it up, game flow included, and just how this game, uh, well, concluded, uh, 23-16 Bears victory, 5-1 on the year. Who's going to be your MVB here for week six? Yeah, well, this is actually a tough one for me because yeah. there's some good performances from a lot of individual players, right? And I don't think any of them just kind of was an outlier, like this is the guy you have to pick. But you mentioned it. I think Cairo Santos is the MVP of this game. Yeah. I mean, that 55-yard field goal, obviously his field goals um, equaling nine points for the Bears, that that was crucial in this game. And I think those points right before the half, that was obviously big just to give the, the Bears a, a bigger lead. I think it was a 13-6 to, to six lead at the time with, with that 55-yard field goal. So that was huge for Cairo Santos. That was a, a confidence booster in myself in him just him going up to approach a kick knowing that he's going to put it through the uprights and 
just looking at the entire day, not that anyone played like bad or anything else. Like I said, there were good performances, but I think Cairo Santos just went above and beyond everybody else. And that 55-yard field goal is like the cherry on top for why I think he's the MVP for this game. All right, Santos, little helper for you, Nick. Uh, how's it feel, by the way, uh, making him your MVP? Because it was a little odd for me, but I really embraced it at the time, and I just want to make sure that uh, I want to see how you were feeling about it as well. It's interesting, right? Yeah, it's interesting. You don't usually put a kicker there, but he he had a great game, and he helped this Bears team win today, and so that's that's all the things you want in an MVP, and he did all of that. I mean, you take his nine points off the board, you're looking at a 16-14 game, and uh, obviously the Bears are on the wrong side of that, so those nine points came in clutch and you know he gave the Bears a chance to go two for one at the end of the half and then to start the third quarter obviously the Bears offense had uh, other things planned there for him but at least he gave the Bears a chance and again 55 yards uh, it's rare when you see a Bears kicker go from uh, that sort of distance so very well deserved Uh, just to be different I'll go I again good performances all around and this one may not even been the best performance, but still vital. I'll go Nick Foles. Uh, again, 23-39, very efficient. He had his up-and-down streaks, but he did account for both of the Bears' touchdowns. Uh, the one on third down, which is a really nice precision throw to Cole Komet. Uh, not, you know, that's a tough throw to make. Uh, kudos for Cole Komet. For, uh, Cole Komet, I like that. Cole Komet uh, for making that catch as well. And then uh, on top of that, Nick Foles was the recipient of the Bears' lone rushing touchdown of the day going on that QB sneak uh, at the one-yard line. You give it to Monty there, you probably don't make it, unfortunately, as it is. So for me, uh, Nick Foles uh, being accountable for both of those touchdowns today, uh, that the Bears needed every point that they could, uh, you take one of those off the board, uh, you're looking at a completely different game. So may not have been uh, the most uh, brilliant performance by Nick Foles, but efficient um, and valuable when it mattered is going to be why he's the MVP. Uh, I can look at defense and make a good case for Roquan Smith as well and Gibson for the pick and, heck, Jalen Johnson too for the, the assist on it. But uh, looking at it, 14 points from number nine uh, is going to be enough to be my MVP today. And I probably would have went Santos if Nick didn't go there first. Uh, but uh, <laughs> just going to throw it out there. But, Nick, let's close the show. Two-minute warning. Uh, put this game into uh, your season perspective as we kind of look forward to uh, next week, Monday night against the Rams. Yeah, so the Bears are 5-1, and one, and that's something to be excited about. But this Rams game and looking just forward to it, a Monday night game, the Bears have not had a lot of success offensively against the Rams last year this is the whole Matt Nagy Trubisky conversation on the sidelines and things of that nature before that the Bears are the win in 2018 there's a lot of you know bad quarterback play by both Jared Goff Mitch Trubisky but this game I want to see what Nick Foles now can bring to the table if he can be the answer to kind of solve why the Bears have struggled offensively against his team but just getting to what happened today the Bears took down a good Carolina team that had won three previous games with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback on the road left them to six only score 16 points defensively that unit is trending upwards especially with the pass rush and that secondary kind of we will talked about it cohesion there's cohesion on that unit it's really starting to manifest itself for Chuck Pagano's unit offensively look they still put up 23 points there's still a lot of drives I think are leaving out more points to be scored and offensive line that's going to be the big worry worry unit for me just moving forward we don't know how that unit's going to get better they 
they don't have the guys it seems like up front to really provide a push or keep Nick Foles upright so that's going to be maybe the Achilles heel of this Bears team if they don't find ways to address it but look the Bears are 5-1. and one. We're going into another Victory Monday. We've been saying that a lot lately on this podcast, and that's exciting to say. So enjoy the win. We'll we'll talk about and break down the Rams you know, later in the week, but enjoy your Victory Monday. The Bears are 5-1. Five 5-1 and one. Five and one Chicago Bears. That sounds uh, pretty damn awesome. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but for me, Nick, again, when you're 5-1, and one, I tweeted this right before we went live. 5-1, and one, it's 5-1, and one, it's 5-1, and one, it's 5-1. and one. It doesn't matter. It's 5-1. and one. I don't care if they're ugly wins. Uh, blowout wins at the end of the day a year from now we're just gonna look at the record and a 5-1 start uh, to the 2020 season uh, just a huge testament to this entire team all three phases uh, bigger probably testament or a kudos to the Bears defense overall but uh, again uh, they're doing enough to win and I think what just frustrates a lot of fans Nick you and I included is just uh, knowing that the potential this offense has and whether it's uh, poor clock management from Matt Nagy, which he has yet to figure out, uh, whether it's uh, interesting play call decisions at some times or just lack of execution. There's just a lot of uh, potential that still needs to find a way to get unearthed. Uh, it's there. we got to find a way to do it. But they did score, uh, like you said, 23 points today. Thank you to the Bears defense for gifting the Bears offense uh, early on in this game. Carolina's defense, by the way, Nick, uh, in that three-game win streak was only giving up about 17 points per game. Uh, so the Bears, I mean, that was a little worrisome for us. But the Bears found a way to get over 20. They got that 23. Uh, and, again, that was that complimentary football right out of the gate. Uh, all three phases today were playing in unison uh, for the most part, uh, except for the only time was the the forced fumble, and then you throw it right back to the other team if you're Nick Foles. That's the only time that things seemed a little out of sorts. Uh, but, yeah, you're looking at 5-1. and one. You have another big test next week against the Rams, Monday Night Football. And it feels like – we're in that stretch, Nick, that we highlighted in the offseason where each week feels like it gets a little bit more difficult than the last. So we passed the Buccaneers test. We passed the Panthers test. And then we're going to get to watch the Rams tonight uh, on prime time as well, which is exciting. So we can do our homework a little bit uh, sooner, at least for me. Uh, that's how I like to go throughout my week. And then we get a, another big test a week from now. So we'll see if we can pass yet that third one for the Rams. But uh, this everything's working out well defense like we said third down one of the best in the league red zone one of the best in the league those two combined doesn't matter to the yards in between uh and some of these drives uh you're keeping teams out of the end zone you're getting them off the field on third down or like today you're forcing the panthers have to use four downs to stay on the field more times than they would probably would like to so things are uh trending in the right direction if you're chicago and hopefully they can kind of keep this train rolling keep the momentum alive here um, and this, I was going to say an extended week, but it's only technically Monday night. So you get a slight extra day to get ready for this game. But Nick, if you and I would have said that the Bears would have been 5-1 and one at the beginning of the season, I think we both would have had huge smiles on our face if we would have been able to look into the future to see it. So we got to make sure we keep that uh, as our main uh, perspective here. Again, there's things to complain about, things to gripe about. It's not... 100% pretty, but also I don't want to be playing my best football on October 18th. I want to be playing my best football come December, come January. And that's, uh, you know, that's uh, still, I think we know there's better football in this team, and that's exciting for me as well. So with that, I'm going to close the show. I want to thank you all for listening to our Bears Panthers post game show. You don't need to hear the final score again, but I think you would like to. Chicago Bears win 23 to 16, 5 and 1 on the year. 3-1 and one on the road, and they travel now to L.A. 
on Monday Night Football, a game that Nick, I still wish that you know 2020 was the year it shouldn't have been. Uh, we could actually travel to this game. That would have been really cool to head on out to the you know to California to LA. Never been even remotely west in my life, but we'll get there. Uh, just one day, but again, Bears are now five and one. I want to thank you all. Uh, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way, you get a, a notification each and every time that we go live throughout the year. Rate, review our show on Apple Podcasts. It helps us reach more Bears fans like you. And on top of that, uh, can help us lead more potential sponsorships uh, down the road. So, big test upcoming Monday Night Football against the Rams. They're four and one right now. They play the 49ers tonight. Pay co- close attention to that game. We'll be talking about it here later on in the week but until next time enjoy yourself yet another victory monday here and of course bear down chicago So, Nick, remember, uh, it was like a month ago, I was telling you sometimes after the outro of our podcast, I wanted to kind of like put like a, a little bit of like an Easter egg or like some like special offer for people who are listening and end up still listening through the outro, like very end, tail end of a show. Yeah, it's like uh, Marvel movies when they put the extra segment of the show after the actual movie is played. Yeah, I remember that. Yes. Now, this isn't like a true segment. I think we discussed that game a plenty. Um, but did you see earlier this week, or I guess it's last week now, that the Bears uh, and they came out like that, uh, the Griswold hat from uh, the National Lampoon movie? I did see that, yeah. Well, I was going to pick up one for myself, and I figured, you know, why not do one of these cool little things and give one free away to one random listener? How does that sound? That would be a great idea. It's an incentive, well, now to maybe listen after to listen to the full podcast, but get an extra little gift why not and it's a test to see hey who is listening all the way through if they still see there's some time left and they're like wait a minute this is longer than it usually is when the guys close the show so what i want to do is uh first person to reach out to me whether it's on our twitter our facebook or at will at chicagoaudible.com my email address uh just say the word griswold and you'll you can get a free chicago bears griswold hat just came out this week uh so if you know the movie you know the hat i'm talking about if you don't know the movie you get a free Bears hat. So uh, just mention Griswold to me on uh, Twitter, Facebook, or will at chicagoaudible.com. And I uh, just appreciate you listening. And uh, just wanted to throw this off for your way to honestly just kind of test this thing out. I can't wait to see the maybe the mentions on Twitter, like Griswold, Griswold, from people like, what is it? Why are they even doing that? That's going to be fun to see. So I'm really looking forward to whoever uh, participates in, you know, obviously that winner getting the, the awesome hat. Yeah, and time is of the essence, so go, like, right now. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.